Well, hello everyone. It's Gina here. Um, so today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. It is just going to be me. Um, I spontaneously wanted to do something that sort of goes back over the past 10 years of my life, mainly because uh, it was recently National Coming Out Day that I saw on Twitter and it marks 10 years since I first came out <laughs> officially as a gay male. Um, and so I'm going to cover that, going to cover the last 10 years, um, a couple of questions that people have put up on my Instagram. Um, but firstly, I put up on my Instagram story uh, a yes or no, a poll um, on if I should do this. And I got 40 people say yes and one person that said no. That one person was Donald Burt. So he probably won't be listening, but uh, I'm making it anyway. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. So um, I'll do questions in that at the end. Um, but first, yeah, 10 years ago. So we'll just go a little bit before the 10-year mark just to give you a bit of, like, idea of where I was and the person that I was. So I was making YouTube videos um, from a, just after my 18th birthday. Now, before this, I was so far in the closet I was so insecure about who I was as a person I hid myself through all of my all of my schooling years from intermediate so intermediate happened I was bullied by people by people they said that I was too you know feminine and I well okay blah, let me get this out properly people would call me a pufter um or a faggot or whatever and I had never heard these words before, and so it was very confusing for people to, who didn't even know me, like the people the year above me, to just be like, they picked me out and they could tell who I was before I even knew. And that was really weird, and it was confusing for someone that young to process. And so I changed and I hid myself and I would act the way that the other cool boys in the school would act and I would listen to the music they would listen to and I just hid myself and I hid the um, the feminine side and the, the, the person that I used to be, I used to love to sing and dance um, and just be creative. But when I started to get a book, when I started to get bullied, I hid that. So intermediate, high school, hid that, hid that for so many years until now going into the 10 years ago part. When I discovered YouTube, I discovered these out crazy people that were kind of like me, but I'd never seen them before. They were from overseas. So for examples, um, Michael Buckley, who used to do What the Buck, um, Chris Crocker, which is a bit of an exaggeration to who I am as a person, but I saw that and was like, oh, if someone can be that um, expressive about themselves. Like, why can't I? Shane Dawson. Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but people like that. Um, and so I started to do that. I made a YouTube channel and I started to be a bit more expressive. I was doing Patrick blog, which was my vlogging channel. And then I started to do dancing and music videos. And then I started singing because I'd been writing songs since I was, I think the first song I wrote when I was eight, I remember, um, writing some love song when I was eight, thinking that I knew what love was. Um, but I, yeah, I've been writing and singing since a kid, um, but then I hid that for so long. And so YouTube came along and it gave me this freedom because YouTube was like the secret, right? So people that were on the internet, this is like to the 
2006-2007 era, like MySpace, then Bebo, people that were on there, they didn't really, you were sort of in a secret world. Like the internet wasn't mainstream is what I'm trying to get at. So I could be someone on the internet and someone completely different in real life, like when I'd go to my job or when I'm with my family or friends and the internet was secret, no one knew about it. And so I could just create, I could dance, I could sing. And it was like I came out via YouTube. I never actually came out officially um, until I was 19 in a YouTube video where I nodded and um, the title was, yes, I'm gay or happy national coming out day, I'm gay. And I just nodded and that's all I needed to do because people kind of already knew and I knew, but I just officially came out then. Funny story, the first time I was outed (laughs) was on national radio, The Edge radio station by JJ Feeney. And I never let her down for that. She knows. Um, So this is going into like still 10 years ago. I had done YouTube for about a year. I had become, I guess, I actually was the number one most subscribed New Zealand YouTuber at the time for a while. Um, There was only one other person ahead of me who was, they were uploading like TV video clips and stuff. So they were getting a lot of views and subscribers. But in terms of original content, I was quite proud that I had managed to like create this channel where I was just doing whatever I wanted and um, people were following it. I was a bit of a YouTube whore back in the day. I did like uh, getting the numbers. I still kind of do, but it's not the most important thing anymore. (laughs) Uh, Bit of shade at you uh, social media influencers out there. Um, I was doing it back before you were, before it was caught an influencer. My God, I was still just a YouTuber. Um, Anyway, uh, so yeah, I just um, was creating. And because of all this, um, this year of doing YouTube and finding myself and being happy and finding who I was, like again, I was rediscovering myself. Um, I auditioned for this uh, reality show, um, which was with The Edge. It was called The Edge Next Top Friend competition. Ten contestants were put into a house in Ponsonby for a month. People got eliminated after every few days if they had the least following online. Um, And it was, that was the next thing that changed my life. So the first thing was YouTube, rediscovering myself. The second thing was being put into this reality show. So I'm from a small town, Fakatane. I was living in the Bay of Plenty, had been to Auckland a few times, but not really. Then all of a sudden I got, my audition was successful and I got put in this house surrounded by people who I thought were famous, who are famous, still are, and were to me at the time, like people on the edge, JJ, Dom, Mike, um, met a few musicians while I was there. Oh my God, Joe Cotton, like, oh my God. Um, And that pushed me because I was on webcam 24-7 in this house. It was like Big Brother. So 24-7, we were streamed online. We were doing radio crosses, doing challenges, free alcohol, free food. And um, with my social following prior to coming in, so YouTube, Twitter was sort of coming into play. Um, That really helped me uh, make it all the way to top three. So I made it to third place. I didn't win the $10,000. $10,000. It's a lot of fucking money. Um, But that was great. That really pushed me to my limits to like, accept myself because JJ kind of outed me on radio to start on the first day. She was like, so Patrick, what do you think of the other gay guy in the house? And my face just like, I just froze and she saw, and it was live radio and people, you know, hosts that are on radio, they're quick on their feet. So she was quick to be like, change the topic. And then when they cut and went off air, she like came over and was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I I thought you were out. And I was just like, 
yeah, kind of obvious in my YouTube videos, but um, yeah, sure, like whatever. For the rest of the time in the house, I did um, identify as bi because I was still a bit too scared for that leap. Um, if we are going to be silly and put labels on things, um, like we were, this is 10 years ago, so um, for some gay males, saying bi is a stepping stone and I know that's a bit problematic to say today but back then it was easier I suppose and yeah I was just pushed into this big and uh, spotlighty type thing I suppose anyway um through this house it was amazing I gained more social following outside um and I started getting like went back to real life so going out of the house back down a uh, bay of plenty but then within the month I eventually moved up to Auckland so this was I was 19 and I um left everything and just came to the big city got a job this was the next life-changing thing was um living on my own so I was flatting I had a flat I was buying all my own furniture and that's one thing I've always done ever since I was a young age uh, well since I left school um my family sort of my parents um, sort of taught us that we have to earn everything ourselves, every dollar, pay our own way. So, you know, I was never given anything in terms of financial support. So I did it all myself. I, um, yeah, paid everything, got myself a flat. I made a lot of friends up here. So my first group of friends were through YouTube. And if it wasn't for them, I, you know, it would have been really tough uh, moving to a big city on my own. And those people were uh, Jess, Tanani, Lewis, Jade as well. And these are people that I knew through YouTube, like met through the internet. And 10 years ago, this is kind of like, oh, meeting people through the internet. They're not real friends. But, oh, honey, they were. And they really helped me become who I am uh, today. Like they helped. They accepted. They were the first friends I'd ever had in my life that accepted me for me. The people that I was friends with in high school, that were friends with me, like that wasn't me, right? So for the first time, like people had seen all my crazy shit on YouTube and they were like, yay, we'll be friends with you. <laughs> um, and so because of this, moving to Auckland through this, I started to just be myself. So I started writing music um, properly. Um, one of the first songs that I was writing was uh, We Your Colours. Uh, I started the idea, started to just the lyrics just came to me the mel the melody came to me um but because I was still the sort of youtube attention whore thing um one of the ideas that I had was to um just be myself an outrageous type person and do this parody of gay youtubers who would release singles um who couldn't really sing or um, they were just a bit over the top, um, just for the views. So the people I was watching who I was inspired by was Chris Crocker. He was making music. Um, Jeffree Star was making music. Um, Danny Noriega at the time, who we know now as Adore Delano. Um, they were just making these kind of like sexy pop songs. And um, I just kind of started making, the, the, I think, the, I don't know, the title just popped into my head one day. I think it was around the time where Gaga was sort of starting to come around. So, um, there was like the disco sort of thing that she was doing, the disco like um, ideas, the disco stick. And so like the, I don't know, just disco erection just kind of popped in my head and I just started writing stupid lyrics and filmed a silly video and, you know, whatever, posted it. And then within the online community, now this is like, we're, 
the internet separate to real life, kind of still. It's, it is slowly merging. Oh, actually, a little side note. Um, Paddy Boy originated from a nickname that I was given while I used to go to Rotorua when I was like 16 or 17. And a couple of the girls just used to call me Paddy Boy because my name was Patrick and it stuck. And um, when I was trying to come up with a stage name for Disco Erection, um, as I said, Lady Gaga was around. And so like she had Lady and then Gaga. And I was like, well, boy and Paddy, which is kind of funny considering now that I'm identifying as trans. And um, back then, how I used to say I was so insecure about who I was, I guess I was trying so hard to let the world know that I was a boy, a male, because I was in denial of my own femininity. Yeah, I got all these views for it. It was silly. A lot, the, a lot of the lyrics in Disco Erection were in-jokes between me and my friends. Um, so my friend Tanani was uh, extra on Shortland Street. And his line on Shortland Street was, sort it out, DJ, in this party scene. And in Disco Erection, it's like, sort it out, DJ. Like, I don't know. And there's a lot of things. Um, and so it became this thing. I got lots of views. It was funny, whatever. Um, and then I started getting more serious and writing Wear Your Colours and that. Um, and then like an, <laughs> a year later, it was roughly a year later, when I was starting to go to family, I was about 20 at this time, you know, going to family, meeting other gay people in Auckland and going out to parties, where Disco Erection kind of had a resurgence and was kind of going viral in the gay community in New Zealand. And like I'd forgotten about it. And then people were like, oh, my God, you're Patty Boy. And this is where I started to go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, like, the internet is no longer separate to real life. Like, there's this fusion going on. And um, I liked it, I suppose. You know, but I had my my normal life. I'd just go to work at um, Giapo. And my first job to Auckland, by the way, was Video Easy. So I was managing a Video Easy store. Remember Video Stores, guys? Oh, RIP. Um, anyway, ended up working at Giapo on Queen Street. Um, best ice cream in the world. Check it out. Um and that sort of got me more in the public eye because people, like a lot of gays would come into GRPRO, a lot of people, sort of like a few celebrities, like Colin Mathura, Jeffrey, and served Jacinda a couple of times. And I don't know, like we just started to, I started to feel at home and sort of mingle with different people. I'd start to go go to events and movie premieres because I knew people. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like people know Patty Boy. And yeah, I'd get recognised in the streets, like walking down Queen Street. I'll get recognised. Um, family bar people would know me. And just from my YouTube videos and the song, and, oh, you're the Giapo one, right? Like, yeah. Um, I'm not trying to say that it started to go to my head because it didn't, and I'm not famous. <laughs> but I was just aware of where I was going and who I was. And because of that, I my passion for music just kept going. And so Where Your Colours was released, and it was... I wrote it for myself, selfishly enough. You know, I was insecure all the time and I needed to tell myself that it's that I'm not the only one in the world like me and I'll be okay and just to be myself and wear my colours. And, yeah, and that that's why the song, that's how the song came around. And I worked with an amazing friend, Levi Patel, who's an amazing musician and he's doing so incredible these days. Um, and he helped me put the music together. I had all the chords there. I had the melody. He just helped me fine-tune it and put it into place. And um, I was so happy with that. And then after that, I was like, all right, I want to have a bit more fun. I want to be cool and party. And I was – this is when, um, like, synthetic marijuana first came around. Huh? And so I was like, oh, I'm 
Buzzy. Buzzy is a fun, like, slang word that the kids are saying. And so I was just like, I'm going to call my next song Buzzy. And I wrote it about just, like, having fun and getting high and whatever. And I thought I was so cool. Um, it was a party song and people liked that. That happened. Um, or this was happening. Um, um, someone through YouTube who I met who was my first boyfriend. Um, we had sort of lived together for a couple of years and been on and off. Um, and we were falling out and it was really sad. Um, and I remember my first time going overseas, I was, this is about 22, uh, my first time going overseas, I went to Sydney, met up with a couple of YouTubers who I had met, like who I'd known through YouTube. Um, and I was, met this guy like, wow, um, first day there, he was like cute and he was interested and I'm like just sort of broken up with my ex, my first boyfriend. I was like, oh, hello. And, um. He was just like, and he adored me like straight away. He was like very interested in like the way he looked at me. I was like, what? And I remember one of the people who I knew was like, oh, watch out for him. He's a star fucker. And I was like, okay. And like it crossed my mind like, is he only interested because I'm a semi-famous YouTuber? Like I wasn't famous, famous. Like, okay, so this is, this is probably now eight years ago. I had about, I had like almost, I think six to 7,000 subscribers. It's not a lot of these days for YouTube, but it's all right. And I don't know, um, we hit it off and he was really cool and I developed feelings and it was amazing. Came back to New Zealand um, after a week. Then he moved over after a couple of months. We were talking every day and we were living together for a couple of months. It's really nice. Um, I started writing a song called Unicorn, which I had already been writing and it wasn't about him, but it was just about in general falling, like being obsessed with someone. <laughs> um, Unicorn was my second single and I really liked, uh, third single, sorry. Um, and that was like more about my serious side, but I've never really been a good singer. Let's be real. Um, and I, I've never had a vocal coach ever. I've never had vocal training. My only training has been me listening to my own voice over again and then trying to do it better. So, for instance, when I'm recording a song, I'll record it, I'll slap some autotune on there, find the notes where they should sit by, like, manually dragging the tuning button around. And then I'll listen to it and then I'll go back and re-record it and try sing along to where I've put the notes. And that's kind of how I've always done it. Um, until I've the best of my ability singing a note over and over again. I'm like happy with it. It's, it's hurting my voice or whatever. Then I'll move on. Because, for example, like Wear Your Colours, I listen to that and I go, ooh, it's a bit tuny there. Ooh, don't like that. And I sing, sing it now. And I can actually sing it way better now than I could before. So that does sort of give me hope that my voice is improving. Um, so Unicorn was great. It was on iTunes. Um, it was my first release on iTunes. And it made it to number 14 on the New Zealand iTunes charts. I got radio play on the edge. I was very happy about that. Um, so it just seemed like, yeah, okay, this is cool. I'm going somewhere. Um, keep up my, you know, social media persona. Um, but I still couldn't find love. It was like, I, this is some of the second guy that I saw. He was from Sydney. I was planning on moving to Sydney. Not just for him, but I needed a change. I was getting bored of Auckland. I was same job for a couple of years. I thought I'd seen it all, done it all. So I was like, it's time to leave the nest, leave Auckland. Um, 
but things didn't work out with him. And so I was just back here, pretty depressed. <laughs> and so I ended up quitting my job, selling all of my furniture. And I ended up traveling around New Zealand. It's, um, so this is, I would have been 23, maybe 24. Um, and I just, it was like, right, that's it. I'm going to just, before I was still planning on moving overseas at some point somewhere. Um, but I wanted to see New Zealand first because a lot of people don't explore their own backyard before going overseas. I find that with a lot of New Zealanders, especially, um, you know, people around my age or in their 20s who um, come from a privileged position where their family has a bit of money and they've already travelled nice, they've been to Italy, they've been to London, they've been to Spain, wherever, you know, they've been to America, Hawaii. It's like, cool, like, have you seen New Zealand? Like, New Zealand's really beautiful. And so I wanted to do that before I left. So for five weeks, I started up here, travelled around through North Island, down the South Island. I was just like backpacking, but also living in my car. I was like a little gypsy. It was amazing. I saw so many things. I found myself again, just like... I do suffer from depression every now and again and like I was getting a bit down. So traveling just was like, it's me, nature, people I meet along the way. And I was just absorbing everything. While I was traveling, I was writing my first ever EP, which was um, called Diary Entries. So five tracks and those tracks, oh, the lyrics, like I love the lyrics so much. The production's okay, you know, vocals, eh. But some of those songs, like I still love them so much. And um, yeah, it was really eye-opening just seeing New Zealand and I really appreciated seeing little towns the buildings there met a few people along the way and that's right I did the duet with um Javan I remember recording and producing that and then getting paid for that thank you Malapati um I don't know if I'm illegally allowed to say that but anyway um that was fun so that was Patty Boy being a bit like silly and outrageous and rap little thing and um yeah then ended up coming back to Auckland to work at Giapo. Um, the owner of Giapo became unwell. And so I went to go back and help run the shop. Um, so that meant I was in Auckland for another couple of years. I was just like, what am I doing? Um, I had by this time released a couple of songs, Taste My Pop. <laughs> um, and, oh, I forgot to mention Zach. Huh? He was one of my best friends at the time. We had a big falling out. Um, and that kind of changed things again because I went from my first boyfriend was um, sort of my best friend for a while. Then after that, Zach became my next best friend and we were good friends for a while. Helped him make show you how. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately we had a bit of a falling out. And so that falling out sort of came, it sort of started happening when I came back to Auckland. So I came back to Auckland, started working again, was like, cool, I'm fine. I've got a friend that started happening. And um because I'm quite a dependent person, I just sort of started losing myself again, getting depressed. Thankfully, Jacobina was there. And um, I just, I found my love for music again with Jacobina. We'd listen to some great four-chord pop songs. Um, he, at the time, sorry, he, I'm just like going through memory lane. So I'm just, um, Jacobina is now she, but same with me. So this is, this is okay, this is like the thing. I'm not one of those trans people that don't mind being referred to as he in the past or Patrick. Like, I don't feel like, I don't feel bad, like awkward about that. So since I'm going down memory lane, I'm going along the way. So sorry, Jacobina, you're probably listening and I just called you here. Um, and I just found my love again. I'd go out every weekend, get drunk, would both just dance. And oh, it was amazing. 
Um, and then, yeah, eventually Jacobina left um, to go move overseas. So she went and did her thing. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like I'm alone again. Um, I had released my second DP, um, Inspective Illusions. Oh, sorry, Introspective Illusions. God, get it right. And this was super, super um, personal. Not that any others weren't, but this one was like really in-depth. Like I went inside my own mind, hence the title. The introspective part was like just going in and talking about the way that I think about things, that my beliefs, the way that I process things. And I, it was a cat meowing. Um, And the way that I did that was through four chord pop music. Um, and did it as an, like the illusion part is just, um, basically putting a blanket, a funny blanket over reality and being like, well, this is how I want to live my reality. So between music and real life and, um, the way I process things, basically, I just released music, had a really good time. I had a release party at, um, Puff Bar in, uh, Ponsonby and that was really cool. Did that, but then I was still depressed. I was just like, what is going on? So depressed. Oh, I also forgot to mention, I started drag. <laughs> so like maybe 24-ish, 25. I did drag for a while. I was just like, oh, like I never wanted to be that gay male that gets into drag. So as soon as you hit that, it's like, oh, how typical, like what's next, you know? But for me, the only reason why I wanted to do drag was because as a, like, as a musician and songwriter, I was doing my own stuff. But I also wanted to perform other songs from like cool female artists like Ricky Lee. I don't know. Um, just like <laughs> that's that was my first inspiration. Um, Ariana, like Gaga, Britney, whatever. I wanted to perform their songs, but I couldn't as myself. And I didn't want to do a cover or sing it live because like, oh, my gosh, like I can't compete with that, their vocals. I was like, oh, I could do drag, right? And so, yeah, I started doing drag and performing other people's songs. And then I found my passion for dancing and performing again, which I used to have when I was in primary school. But then that stopped when I started getting bullied and intermediate. So, yeah, I started to perform again. And that started to help for a little while. And I was just having fun. People liked my drag. I was Fondanelle. Um, and the name sort of comes from the font Fontanelle, which is a soft spot on the baby's head. Um, and my mum, I remember when I was in primary school, I had a girl in school called Fontenelle. And my mum said, that's a cute name for a girl. Like, that's different. And I was like, okay. And then when I was trying to figure out my drag name, it was first Ariana Grinder. That was a bit funny. And then Fontenelle, because I wanted to be kind of taken seriously. So it was like Fawn, Danelle, like two names, but whatever. It wasn't really a pun name. It kind of was, but not really. It wasn't a funny pun. It just was nice to me. And yeah, I liked it. One thing that I should mention is, Drag was really good with helping me understand my gender. So when I started drag, it was just, you know, as an expression of music and to dance. A lot of drag queens, when they put on the wig and the hair, they discover another part of themselves. They become the character as soon as everything's on. It's like they're a drag queen, they're a diva, they're more sassy. For me, I never felt that. I just felt like me in a wig and makeup. And that really helped me understand that I was already a female and I didn't need to do drag to separate that. And so drag really helped me um, understand that I was transgender and I thank drag for that. 
I remember talking to Kidamine about it and um, she said, you need to do a bit of character development, find your character, find out their backstory so that when you're in drag, you can come back with all these good sassy lines when you're on stage or to people. And I tried that, but yeah, it just wasn't me. And um, I applaud her for being able to uh, snap into character. She's amazing. Love her. One thing that I'm proud about with my drag is when I was doing it for only a few months, I was getting all these compliments from older drag queens uh, who had been around for years um, in the scene applauding me on my lip syncing skills. They were just, that was like the main thing, the main compliments that I was getting. And I think I owe that to the fact that I wasn't actually just lip syncing on stage. I was actually singing. So in a club setting, the music's loud and people are drunk, so people probably couldn't hear me singing, apart from maybe the front row in Family Bar, if I was ever at the end of the stage and people were at the front. You could probably hear me singing. And that's because my reason to do drag was because I loved singing and dancing. And so to help me get the lyrics properly, I would actually be either shouting or singing in falsetto most times. Um, So I guess my lip-syncing skills were because I was actually... I was actually singing the lyrics as if the artist would be. Um, and I find that that's, that was one of my good skills with drag. So if you, you're out there and wanting to do drag, um, when you're up there, don't just move your mouth. Maybe just kind of let a little bit of vocals through and see how that helps. <laughs> so I did that for a while. Released a single as Fonda Now. It was a bit funny. I didn't produce the uh, beat. I just got a beat and put lyrics over it. But yeah, then released my EP and was a bit still um, depressed <laughs> and so yeah I needed escape and so I went back and lived with mum for a while and then while I was down there I was just it was just me family work me started watching a lot of videos of TV shows movies um and my best friend Jacobina was transit by this time and she was transitioning and Remember um, Caitlyn Jenner's show came out and just the little things were popping in my head. Like, and one night I just was in bed and I asked myself, like just in my mind, am I trans? Wait, I've always been feminine. I've always liked the idea of being able to be feminine, but I hid that for so long. Then I've been kind of doing it, but I've been doing it to the extreme as a gay male. I've been pushing those boundaries as a male. Did I need to push them anymore? Why Why can't I just be myself? I always wanted long hair. I remember my mum forcing me to get haircuts when I was a kid because you know, I wasn't allowed long hair because it was for girls only, you know. Um, I remember always wanting to put on me. I don't know, just like all the stereotypical things. I know it's like feminism. We shouldn't be like women have to have long hair. Women have to wear, you know. But part of me was like, oh, that's kind of where I've always wanted to be sitting on the side of the spectrum. And yeah, I just thought about it for a few days, a couple of weeks. and was like, okay. And so then I started to figure out, I asked a few people who were trans, like, how do I go about this? And yeah, I met up with um, my GP in Tauranga and I was like, I'm trans, I want to start hormones. She didn't really know much about it um, and so I had to go through the Tauranga hospital to see a, uh, first like a, a ther- therapist, wait, what was it? A psych- psycholo- wait, psychologist, I think, 
to get like an evaluation to see if my mental health is okay. And so I lied through all of that saying I've never had depression. I've never had suicidal thoughts. I'm happy with life. So please let me start uh, hormone replacement therapy. Um, <laughs> I know it's bad, but hey, um, since being transgender is still classed as a mental illness, uh, we, you know, not allowed to have any history of stuff like that to go on, apparently. So I was like really scared about that. And so I was just kind of like, yep, no, I'm fine. I'm 100%. I want to be a woman. Um, yeah. And so I started, and then I had to go to um, the sexual health clinic in Hamilton to see a doctor there to get put on um, um, hormones to start with, which was fine. So I had all the checkups and all good. And so I started. It was cool. I was not doing it for like a month or two and then got off, well, got a really cool job in Auckland, which was at a cat cafe. It was like my dream. So I moved back to Auckland. It's like a fresh start. I was living as a woman for only a couple of months, but I'd always been there. And it just felt amazing. You know, I was finally just a bit freer, um, be, being able to live as a, as a female. Um, but when I started on hormones, you know, I was telling the doctor, yep, like I'm prepared for all, like low sperm count. No, I, I'm fine. I've made the decision. I don't want to store any of my sperm, like freeze it. Um, I know some of the side effects. Yep. Okay. Um, yep. Probably going to get breasts and surgery and all that stuff. But on the inside, I knew I would never want surgery. It's It's been a thing. Like I don't, I feel feminine. Absolutely. My sex just happened to be male at birth. And that's just the way it is. But my gender, 100% female. So with that in mind, I've no, I know that I've never really wanted to have any surgeries. I'm, I'm, my gender dysphoria was never fully about my looks. It was more about just the way I, I present my, my personality, my, my spirit, basically. So my spirit is, is what I've always wanted to focus on. Um, and so starting on hormones was interesting. I was like, all right, what are the side effects going to be? One month into it, oh, my God, my appetite. Like, I was just always craving stuff. I'd eat so much. Um, and nipples started getting a bit, like, itchy. And I started putting on a little bit of weight. It was nice, you know, because my face – I was always a very underweight male. Um, and I got shit for it all the time. People would be, like, oh, thinking I'm anorexic. I need to eat more, eat a pie. It was so, I was just so self-conscious of that and I couldn't help it. I just had a high metabolism. I just never put on any weight. But then on hormones, um, yeah, I started putting on a bit. My face rounded out. I felt nice. People were like, oh, you look good. Like for the first time in my life, people said I looked good. Um, I remember one person who's a dick, um, will not name, um, was just like, oh, Gina, like you look good with like your face is round. Like before you used to look really skinny and sick. And I was like... Thanks. <laughs> sure. Um, so skinny legend is not the best. It's not the way to go, guys. It's a problematic term. So fuck your faves. Be a whatever legend you want to be. Um, and yeah, it was nice for the first time, just like being a bit happy in myself and it was good. Um, I still hadn't found love at this point. <laughs> I um, had dated another guy in between and he was really nice and we're still good friends. Uh, he's a good person. Um but yeah, like I watched Muriel's Wedding as a child and I think it fucked me up forever. It's a great movie. It's funny. It's also very emotional. But like thinking, I rewatched it recently and I was like, I always 
remember everything from it, the whole movie. Um, but rewatching it, I was just like, you know, what's funny? We laugh at Muriel for being a bit different and wanting to get married. And I'm just like, oh my God, ever since I was like, can remember, I've always wanted to find the one get married, settle down. I want to find love. That's why like when I meet a guy, I rush into things like it's only been a few weeks and I'm like, are we official yet? Like, oh my God. Like, oh, Muriel's winning kind of fucked me up. So I think <laughs> that's why I'm always just like wanting to fall in love overnight with someone. And um, yeah, there's been a few people along the way that have kind of been good and not and kind of ruined me a bit more and maybe that'll be another podcast we'll go through my exes but this is about me over the 10 years so yeah starting to transition um I was really happy with my new job at the cat cafe um name change was the next thing um because I was planning to go overseas um so my passport was an issue. I was like, oh, I'm still Patrick on my passport. Like, I don't know what other countries are like. So it was America that we were going to. And I was like, oh, my God, what if I get held in detention? Get, like, you know, anything could happen. The police there. I don't know. Like, it's a trans woman. It's kind of scary. So that kind of pushed me to be like, okay, I should, should probably change my name and be a bit more serious about this. So um, I asked my mom. I said if I was assigned female at birth, uh, did, did, you know, if I was to be a female, did you have a name for me? And it was, she said Gina, G-double-E-N-A, Eleanor middle name, which was my grandmother's middle name. I was like, oh. And then I know because my auntie, her only sister, um, is called Georgina, but she hates the full name. She only likes being called George. Everyone calls her George. Um but my mum was the only one that was allowed to call her Gina, like her older sister, like, yeah, you can call me Gina, but everyone else, like, no. And I guess she was also, um, she's also my godmother, and so my mum would have named me after her sister, after my godmother, Gina, the sort of her, the second part of her name, but spelt differently, like Gina Davis. Um, and so that would have been my name, and I was like, that's cool, I'm going to use that. So I did. I got it changed legally. Um, being your sex, though, you can't change legally. Uh, you have to go through the courts and after a sex change and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I've never looked into that because I'm not going to. Um, but, yeah, it's been just living as Gina. Um, and, yeah, what else? Like, I don't know. Over the last couple of years have been really interesting, though, like, the, the gender stuff aside, like my mental health again, so one of the side effects on hormones is um, depression levels can go up and they have, um, I have been suicidal again in the last year. It's been really tough. Um, my friends have helped me get through it, which is amazing. Um, one person in particular um, who was in my life just over a year ago, um, really sent me down a bad path. He was abusive. And I lost my job because of him. <laughs> my new single coming out soon is slightly about him, but more about myself and feminism. Um, but yeah, that really got me down. Um, he was one person who I'd known for many years and I had helped him a lot. He had helped me a lot as well. Um, and we finally got together and I got him a job. I got him a house in Auckland or place to stay, I should say, not a house. <laughs> um, 
and yeah, he took advantage of me and it sucked. Like, I honestly was like, he's the one. He's my Disney ending. After after I wrote Disney ending like eight years ago, like the chorus anyway, I was like, oh my God, he's the one. Um, yeah, and he like just screwed me over and wanted to kill myself for, this is probably like the fourth time. I've been about suicidal maybe four or five times in my life and this was like, you know, here it is again. It was really bad. So I started on antidepressants. Um and they helped for a while, but I just didn't want to be on them forever. And I wanted to be able to be strong on my own, which is a, is a very stubborn thing to do. But I started smoking weed again for a little while, like, like every couple of nights. I'd just have a little bit and chill and eat. And after losing my job, I was really sad. But I had Uber to back up, to be back up on, which was good. So I was just Ubering and earning a bit of money that way and just finding myself again and it's good, but now I'm back in hospital. I'm liking it. Um, mental health's kind of there, <laughs> unless something happens. But that's just kind of it, right? It goes, comes and goes in waves. And it's been um, mental health awareness uh, week, day or week or something. So like that's kind of why I wanted to do this as well. Touch on that. Um, yeah, going back to my first time going, oh, second time going overseas. Well, and actually, I've been to Sydney four times now. The last two times was for Mardi Gras. Yes, can't wait to go again. Oh, how did you do that? Sugoi just opened my door that was closed. Are you serious? No, sorry, I didn't say sorry. I said serious. Um, um, that's my cat, uh, Sugoi, coming in. Hi. Um, yeah, so I went to America and that was amazing and I went to Disneyland and went to Vegas and did all those things that I had never been able to do as a kid or like before because my family don't come from a lot of money. Um, so I was really proud of that moment, going to do that. Hi, Sigley. Um, yeah. What else? Oh, so, um, a couple of questions from people on Instagram. Let me just, uh, go and have a look. Wait, it's popping up. Okay. So first one was from um, Dax, who, hang on, I just need to try and open the whole thing. So he said, talk about the change or perspective, talk about the change of perspective, I think it means or perspective, talk about the change or perspective in your lyric writing then verse now. Honestly, like, I don't think there's been much of a change. I'm still writing super honest and... um, so 10 years ago was, well, Disco Erection was a bit of fun, Wear Your Colours. Um, I've always just written, honestly, from the heart, whatever I'm going through at the time is what I wanted to write about. Um, and now I'm currently writing, well, I finished writing two songs that came together as one at Muses that I performed at recently. It's like seven and a half minutes long, so I'm breaking it up into two, I think, and releasing it separately. Um, that was my cat again. No, don't climb up here. I'm podcasting. Um, so the first one is Disney Ending, which is a chorus I wrote eight years ago. And it came together. Oh my God, Sukhoi, stop climbing on things. ASMR. Um, it came together just around the time when I met my second boyfriend in Sydney. Um, and so it sort of became about him meeting someone, falling for them, wanting it to be real, wanting it to be like a Disney ending, but it wasn't. Um, and then the sort of the second part of Dis- uh, Disney ending is uh, the person who sort of screwed me over last year. 
um, just realizing, you know what, like no matter how much I give, no matter how honest I am, no matter how much of a good person I am, how generous I am, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And so Disney ending became like this happy, sad song, like, which I really like. The chords are like minor and minor and it's like really sad, but like happy sounding lyrics. And then the verses are like really sad and it's come together well. I'm so proud of it. And then Queen of the Castle is like the main part of the song, which is, um, it's like this feminist anthem, sort of about, it's about gender as well. The chorus sort of touches on like, I could be the man, I could be the lady, I could be the top, I could be the bottom. Like it doesn't matter where I want to sit or in the spectrum of anything. We can be our own person. And it's about overcoming abuse and finding my own power within and that it sort of plays on the little riddle, I'm the king of the castle, you're the dirty rascal. It's kind of like, well, I'm the queen of the castle, the castle being my own life. And I'm really proud of that. And so my lyrics have gotten better, I think. I've gotten really good. <laughs> um, that's maybe the change. But yeah, new single's coming soon, guys. I'm trying really hard. I'm working on it so much, but it's producing is really technical and it gets really intense. Tama asks, what was it like growing up in the hell, a hellhole called Fakatane? Yeah, <laughs> it was hard growing up in Fakatane. I grew up there from the ages of eight to 16. And those were the years where I hid and wasn't myself, was bullied. I didn't have a lot of fun. People around me weren't nice. I had my family and a couple of friends, but it was a sad time. And I look back on it and I managed to survive it. But I was never me, you know, so, yeah. But lol, yeah. Um, Chris says, burn the closet Closet is iconic. It fucking is, thank you. <laughs> I'm super proud of the lyrics in Burn the Closet. It was like Wheel Colors 2.0. Um, that song, you can probably tell the instrumental is really good. That's because I bought the rights to an instrumental for that. I That was but just after Unicorn and I was like, oh, like, I'm really good at writing lyrics, but I'm not good at making beats. So my beat, my production has gotten better. But yeah, I brought this really cool beat that I listened to. And then I wrote the song. Well, I had write the song and then I put it together with it. And I really liked Burn the Closet. It was a bop, right? Um, Medulla asks, hormones before, during and after, please. I think I've covered that slightly. And I, th I did that for you. Um, if there's anything else you want to know about hormones, hon, we need to have a talk. Um, but yeah. I think that's it. Anything else over the last 10 years I want to talk about? I don't think so. If I've missed anything and there's anything you want to know, feel free to message me, guys. Um, I'm an open book. Um, speaking of, yeah, I had a really cool message from my sister, sort of stepsister. We're not really related anymore, but we're still sisters, girl. Um, Message me and said, oh, we were at this party. This uh, There was this trans girl. She was talking to us. And then... We said, oh, we know a trans person. She's our sister, Gina. And this is in Rotorua. And this young person was like, oh, my God, I know Gina. I look up to her. Like, I follow her stuff online. She's an inspiration. And that makes everything worth it, everything that I've gone through over the last 10 years. I was, my music was touching a lot of um, queer males out there you know gay males around New Zealand for a while I knew I used to get a lot of messages for that and so now 
identifying as trans, um, feminine is what I'm identifying as, which I have touched on briefly on Facebook. I put up a big uh, message about it, um, but may as well talk about it here too. Um, being trans feminine is someone who is um, assigned male at birth, but identifies on the female side of the spectrum. Um, as, as I've mentioned, I'm not really looking for a full transition into female I'm very comfortable with myself now which I am so lucky to be um comfortable with my body I know a lot of trans women trans males as well um yeah the gender dysphoria really affects them and I'm I'm lucky it didn't affect me and so I'm I'm blessed that I'm okay with myself now and so I feel like Wherever you identify on a gender spectrum or sexuality spectrum, it you know just you'll find your own way, and you don't have to feel pressured to um, conform and be on one side or the other. Yeah, it's cool to know that I'm like an idol or someone to look up to for trans people now. It's it's, it's super weird. I still pinch myself, and I don't. As I said earlier, it's not like I think I'm famous or it goes to my hair, but I'm just me, and I just do me and. I'm aware of where I sit, and it's nice. I hope this has been a nice podcast to listen to, just just me talking, and um, until next time, bye.